Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Palmas. I am a wife, mom, author, and lifelong educator who has been doing some hard work for two decades. This podcast is about renewing hope, happiness, and belief in education. We get real and talk candidly about ways educators across the globe are working to uproot the education system and making transformational changes for all educators and students. And beyond the why and the what these transformational education leaders are doing, we get into the how you as an educator can drive toward these changes. I am here to take away the pain, exhaustion that too many of us feel day in and day out and rid ourselves of the question if we made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. So let's dig in and ignite the joy, passion, and belief all educators had when deciding to enter a career in education. And let's make some change. So much is possible in education. Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. We have a really cool guest today. His name is Sam Stecker, and he is an educator who has done extraordinary things in the face of education, including founding his own organization that does so much amazing uplifting for educators, for students. And so I am so excited for you to get to hear from him and just hear the things that he is doing to really change the trajectory of education. In addition, I should tell you, Sam and I came into contact once again by Jed Hafer. You'll have to share a little about your relationship with Jed, but Jed is, if you all recall, our first episode guest. And so going back quite a few episodes at this point and having Sam on here, I'm humbled and excited. And thank you, Jed, for putting Sam in the presence of me and all of us who are listening to the podcast. So Sam, I'll kick it over to you to introduce yourself and, you know, talk a little about who you are and what has been your journey in education. I appreciate it, Kelly. So I'll talk a little bit about Jed first, our our notorious co-conspirator since we mentioned him. Jed and I have been in the same room a number of times, and I don't know that we always knew we were in the same room. We were sort of ships in the night with Love & Logic. My co-collaborator, Mark Johnson, and I worked for Love & Logic for years, and I know at one point in time, Jed had seen us do a, a session, and then he, after Mark and I were not working with Love & Logic anymore, he jumped in. But the number of emails and calls and text messages that Jed and I have had throughout the years is, it's crazy. If there's something, I just need somebody else's perspective. Jed's one of my go-to guys that I know has similar philosophy, cares about the same kind of things. And I know every time I'm going to get a response Mm -hmm. and that response is probably going to be, dude, let's just get on the phone and talk this out. And then all of a sudden, 45 minutes goes by and I I feel better about where I'm at and what I'm doing and the whole nine yards. So I I like to think that Jed is one of my best friends that I don't know I've ever really met. We all have these professional networks now. And I think the characters we have on our professional networks are just so different from what they used to be 10, 15 years ago. And Jed is in a very unique spot in my um, professional network. And I can count on that dude to talk me through just about anything. So yeah, when he was your first guest and he said, I'm going to put you in touch with the KP. She's got a cool podcast and I think you should be on it. So I owe Jed again. So Jed, if you're listening, thanks dude. (laughs) Um, My career in education has kind of been all over the place. I started in 1997 as a middle school teacher. And even, even before that, 
I did a couple of things in education. My first real job in education was actually at the Boys Town Emergency Shelter in Nebraska, where I live. And I did that for volunteer hours and then an actual paycheck. And that's when I decided, yeah, I'm supposed to be in education. I'm supposed to do something that helps out schools and kids for the rest of my life. From that time and starting off in a middle school classroom, I did that a long time. I ended up being a dean of students at a high school for a while and then an elementary principal for a while and then a superintendent for a while. And now I get to be director of curriculum instruction and assessment, which is way more fun than being a superintendent because you get to just focus on teaching and learning and you don't have to worry about buses and roads. That's kind of been my hustle and my journey through education. And I know one of the things that Jed and I always talk about is throughout that whole time, even when Mission Monday wasn't a real thing, it was always part of what I did. And a lot of that came out of what I learned. A lot of the same lessons that Jed learned from Love and Logic was how do I intentionally build positive relationships in a proactive way? And so um, when I was a dean of students, I started to just package those in a way that was digestible for everyone. It's what is a way that you can intentionally engage with the students that you serve on a consistent basis. I always like to say the notion of random as acts of kindness drives me up a wall because I think kindness is really, really rad and maybe the most powerful force in the universe. And I can't think of anything that is that powerful and important where we go, let's just rely on random. If it gets us that much mileage, if it's that essential to what we do, why would we apply it randomly? So the whole notion behind Mission Monday was first, how can teachers intentionally positively, consistently interact with students and spread that kindness. And then it just sprouted from there to become how does every key stakeholder in a school community engage in that kind of intentional kindness, that kind of intentional relationship building on a consistent basis in a way that makes a difference. So that's sort of my journey in the short form <laughs> with a lot of other stuff in between there and how I ended up doing what I'm doing both in a conventional school setting and then beyond as well. I love it, Sam. And I think that the biggest thing that we need to dive into is Mission Monday and what that. it does and how you are making these acts of kindness just a part of the everyday lives of students and teachers. And so let's dig into Mission Monday and tell us about it, the origin story, the what you do with it and how other people can be doing this very authentically. Right on. I appreciate that. So uh, it started when I became a dean of students at a high school and a priority that my superintendent had, because this high school had never had a dean of students before. They didn't know what a dean of students was. They even said that in the interview. My boss said, you have one goal and that's change the culture and climate of this school, which that's a big lift. And as I talked to teachers in that school, they consistently said, I feel fine in my classroom. Hallway doesn't feel quite right. And the easy way to fix that is get into the hallway. But if you have an administrator say, hey, I need you out in the hallway, you know, a great way to sabotage a good idea is to mandate. I started, said, we're going to do a mission every week. And our first one was introduce yourself to five students that you don't know yet. Now, the district that I served, that high school had around 100 certified staff members, just as many classified staff members, 1,500 students. And we repeated that mission once a month. And I know it sounds nominal, but when you do the math, if we get 50% compliance, it literally generates thousands of positive interactions that would not have happened without it. So that was our very first mission. And the other thing I did with it too is I pulled in 13 teachers and I said, I need you to come in for a 7 a.m. meeting and you're not going to be compensated for it. <laughs> and I knew I'd get the right people there. And I said, here's the deal. You guys are doing this kind of stuff anyway. I have two asks of you. I'm going to give you a plan to do this kind of stuff anyway. Will you do that for me? You're organically already kind of making it happen. 
I need you to explicitly make it happen. And I need you to follow these steps to do it. Do this mission every week. And said, will you do that for me? And they were in, like they, they, they were the choir, but sometimes you need to preach to the choir too. And then the second thing was, what I need you to do is when you're in your shared office and I send out my mission email and say, hey, this is what I need you to do this week. If somebody starts to talk down on it, I just need you to tell them about a kid you met. Mm. Don't say this is an administrative directive. Don't get on their case about not doing it. Don't start to argue about relationship building and the philosophies around it. Just tell them about a kid you met because to me, you cannot argue with that. You cannot argue with the power of it. So from there, we just started to come up with what are more missions that we can do? What are more ways that within two minutes, I can explain this engagement. Within two minutes, I can explain this intervention. And then after you listen for that two minutes, it's not going to take you any more time. You're making a walk from your office to your classroom, from your classroom to the cafeteria, from your parking lot into the cafeteria. You're going to see members of your school community on those walks. You can walk by and wave, or you can engage. And if you intentionally engage every week, it adds up. So we just begin to engineer more missions. And I'll tell you about my all-time favorite one and then our most recent one. My all-time favorite one we call secondhand compliments, which just means I need you to say something good about someone when they're not around to hear it. And this is so corny, but I got the idea from a fortune cookie. (laughs) And the fortune cookie said the most insidious force in the universe is gossip. And I instead of just enjoying my, you know, chicken lo mein, I started to think about, okay, what is that? And gossip is just talking bad about people when they're not around to hear it. All right. If the wisdom of that fortune cookie is true and the most insidious force in the universe is gossip, and it's just talking bad about people when they're not around to hear it. What if we flip that? What if we say good things when people aren't around to hear it? Because, you know, the thing about gossip, it never just sits there. It travels Mm. the same thing. And Kelly, I don't know about you, When somebody compliments me, I've had to work hard my life to just accept that compliment and not question it. When I hear somebody about somebody else that said something good about me when I wasn't even there to hear it, it's like there's no ulterior motive. It feels more authentic. So great way for us to authentically compliment people and it's going to make it back to them. So we do that mission probably two, three times a year just because I like it so much. I'll say this week it's secondhand compliments. Make sure you say something good about someone, even though they're not around to hear it. If I could just say that's one mission I want everybody to do every week, that would be it. They're all engineered to engage in a positive interaction like that. But sometimes it's a positive interaction with some accountability. My most recent mission was I need you to speak up. That was the conversation I wanted you to have because we were as a leadership team talking about a lot of the great things that we have going on in our district. And at the same time, you end up talking about the people that are the naysayers, the doubters. And then it's like, but who's buying in? Well, you know, this teacher's really buying in, but you know, they don't want to say anything in a meeting and they have an obligation. If they're invested, they have an obligation. This is like a superpower. I started, I don't know if you're a Spider-Man fan, but that's Uncle Ben told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. If you are buying into the good things you are doing, you have an, that's a superpower. You have an obligation, you have a responsibility to speak up. So the last mission that I did was find somebody at least once this week that has good things to say, that believes in the right things and say, you know what? That's a superpower. I need you to speak up. I need you to talk about why it's important. Those are just two or three examples of what we try to do to take random out of random acts of kindness. Like I said, I, I, to me, I always say it should take zero extra professional development and it should take zero extra time and it should take zero extra money. And the only thing 100% is zero extra money because I'm going to need you to listen to the podcast for two minutes. 
<laughs> and that's time. I'm going to need you to engage with someone else. And really, most, most of the time, those engagements are like two minutes. So there's another two minutes. So I'm asking for four minutes. But then the missions I roll out for free on all our different social media platforms and video and podcasts. So really, that's the one it is. I always try to tell people that I really believe that we can change the world. But changing the world isn't a big lift. It is. It happens one human interaction at a time. And I want to give people accessibility to those human interactions. I want to give them, empower them to have those conversations and have the tools to have those conversations. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I'm so curious to know, I know this is an episode for you and about you, but I would love to hear what are educators saying? You know, what are some of the best things that you've heard? To know oh, that's a really good question. You know, it's funny. It's, I, I will go to conferences and, you know, not even as a speaker, I'm just an attendee and I am trying to learn with everyone else. And I'll be walking from session to session. And all of a sudden I will just hear Sam, Mission Monday guy. And the conversations that those open just make me so happy because back when I talked about the beginning, when I said uh, with my 13 teachers that I had really kicked this off and I needed yeah. them to be invested. When you hear somebody speak down on this, I need you to talk about a kid that you met. Whenever I end up talking to teachers, I end up learning about another student. I end up learning about uh, another teacher within their school district and a little bit of a sidebar, but another mission that I like to have is people say at least once this week, ask somebody what's been the best part of your day. And the reason why we do that is because when you say, Hey, how are you doing? We get the canned answer. Nobody thinks about it. When we ask somebody what's been the best part about your day, they start to answer and then they kind of check themselves and go, wait a minute, they didn't ask me how I'm doing. And then the second thing, when you ask that in a school setting, what's been the best part of your day, you hear about someone else. You hear about someone else and the good things they are doing in that school community. And when I see educators and like, hey, Sam, Mission Monday guy, and we start to talk about a mission, I end up learning about really rad kids. I end up learning about really amazing school leaders who are proactively trying to change their school culture. And I'm not hearing about some big movement. I'm not hearing about test scores. I'm not even hearing about this entirely changed the culture of my building or my district or my classroom. It's a story about an interaction they had with one person. Mm -hmm. And the more of those I can facilitate, man, time well spent. Yeah, yeah. So to the student piece, are students aware of this and how have they taken this on? Because I'm guessing if you are in charge of changing the school culture, it doesn't just happen from the teachers. Like it has to then manifest to the students. And so how are they involved in this process? And are you seeing a change in students' kindness? Super great question. Yes, students are involved. And it really just kind of depends on, you know, the implementation that a district or an individual or a classroom chooses. You know, I mentioned Mark before, who's one of my co-collaborators in this. And when he first started doing Mission Monday, when I started, it was teachers interacting with students at the building that he was at. He saw his need to be students interacting with each other and with the staff. So he would give students missions. And it would be simple things like when you go through the lunch line today, make sure you say thank you to the chef, mm -hmm. and, which really makes your cafeteria jam slow down that day, but it's still totally worth it. So when it comes to our students doing this, yeah. And when we first started doing this, I came up, all right, this is staff interacting with students. Mark came up with, this is 
students interacting with everyone else. And then we realized we're both just jamming towards people interacting with people, humans interacting with human. Mm. So then we started saying, how can we make our missions accessible universally to everyone? And I would say absolutely, it has a huge impact on what's going on with the students and their level of kindness, and they remember. Quick story about a mission and one of Mark's students. One of our missions is we will say, okay, at least once this week, go up to somebody and say, hey, has anyone told you that you're awesome yet today? Mm-hmm. Because they always say no, and then you make a big deal about it. Well, let me be the first to tell you, you are awesome. And Mark had a teacher who always added on the end, and don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark ran this mission like in November at his school. Summer rolls around, and this particular teacher works at a uh, shaved ice stand in a parking lot at a mall. And the student comes up through and gets his shaved ice snow cone. And he was like, hey, Mrs. Fouts, thanks for the snow cone. You know what? I didn't forget it. And she was like, what are you talking about? That I'm awesome. You told me to not forget it. So when those kind of things, when we implement them in November and they land still in July, I mean, there's a lot of distractions between November and July. If a kid is getting that snow cone and sees his teacher, it's like, yeah, she told me not to forget I'm awesome. Again, it's one of those, those are the stories that matter to me. That's about an individual human interaction. I believe that teacher's never going to forget and that child's never going to forget. And that's the kind of stuff that gets us through. Yeah, those are the moments that remind us why we actually started in education. Absolutely. So to the point of implementation, let's start with the students first. You have a very clear way. It's four minutes, right? And we can do this. And any one teacher doesn't have to overhaul their entire school to say, I'm a part of Mission Monday. But let's say that a school really wants to. Let's start with students. What would you recommend to educators who are like, we want to be a school of kindness? What I would recommend is start with within your own circle of influence, which as a teacher, that's just you and just start by saying, I am going to do this. I'm going to make sure that I engage in these missions weekly and then get a partner to hold each other accountable and make sure at the end of the week, you to talk about how you implemented it, the stories that resulted of it, and just get your momentum and your legs underneath you and your foundation from that. Then I think the next best way to scale up is, again, within that teacher's circle of influence is say, all right, class, here's the deal. Here's our mission this week. I want us to at least once this week, we're going to do a secondhand compliment, say something good about somebody, even though they're not around to hear it. If you want to come to me as your teacher and say something good about Santiago, do that. And then you got your mission done. You want to tell Santiago something nice about your mom, even though she's not around here, do that. Then you did the mission. And people will ask me about the accountability piece. And there is no accountability piece. There is listening and there is modeling. And if you listen for these things and you can validate them and you model them, then the accountability, that doesn't matter. That's, that's not the component that I'm really interested in. I think a bad thing to do is because I, I have talked to school leaders and they will say, we're going to be a Mission Monday district. And then they will push out a mission on a weekly basis, you know, at the bottom of the lunch menu. Mm. And it's, I get it, but it's not really authentic. And it just becomes, it becomes copy. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes something else that's right next to tater tots on Wednesday. Like tater tots on Wednesday are an amazing thing. They are. I mean, I did it. So far. (laughs) That's right. But I think it has to start with teachers holding themselves accountable to have these interactions and know, and really it's good teachers are already doing this. It just levels up that intention and it removes that random acts of kindness notion. 
because the thing about random acts of kindness is they fizzle out. I mean, there's a week that somebody decides to put a snicker bar in everybody's mailbox. And then what happens next? And does that really change? I mean, I really like having candy in my mailbox, but it doesn't change how I do things. It doesn't change my relationship with people. If you can just get that commitment on the individual level and then a partner in it to say, I'm going to do this too. And we both believe in this. I mean, that's how a movement starts. It's two people talking about doing something. And really that's how, what Mark and I do with Mission Monday started. It's before we really had this grand notion, we would just get together once a week at a coffee shop when we were barely not rookie teachers and talk about what was working in our classroom and what was blowing up in our classroom. And these are the ideas that came out of it. So we started as those co-conspirators to make our classrooms a better place. And I think that is, that's the vehicle to make it sustainable for everyone. Do it, get a partner, and then expand that team. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's really concrete. And I appreciate hearing the what not to do as well. This is not something that we put on a piece of paper. This is something that we actually do and act Absolutely. upon. That is what kindness is. And what a different world we would live in if we actually acted upon our kindness, not randomly. That's what I'm taking away. <laughs> I dig it. Right on. One of the things then, kind of going back to that concept of kindness, I would love to just hear your vision because I think so much of what you talk about in the questionnaire and even now, it starts with an individual. You and Mark doing extraordinary things and really expanding this. And I love that you said kindness is really rad and one of the most powerful tools we can have to change the world. What do you want to see in the United States right now as it comes to education? Because Part of this podcast is really trying to flip the paradigm of what education is, and we have to. And kindness has not been infused into the world of education in a way that is not isolated or on an island. I guess that's very redundant, but I just think about, okay, we talk about SEL, we need it in the classroom, we know this, but it feels so disconnected from what we are really envisioning for education. Loaded question in essence, but the idea here is like, what do you really vision for the work that you're doing in the world of education, particularly in the United States? That's a really good question. I'm going to say a year ago, I don't know that I would have known how to answer it, but my boss had me read a book recently and it kind of gets made fun of. It's called Radical Candor. Mm. And I don't know if you've read that or it's in kind of in the same vein as Fierce Conversations, which Mm. you see in education quite a bit more. But one of the notions from Radical Candor, and I underlined it when I read it and I didn't know what it meant, but I thought there's something there. And it was the notion that um, relationships may not scale a culture will, meaning, you know, I, I think I have a really amazing, wonderful relationship with my wife. That's not going to make anyone else's marriage better. Our individual relationship between her and I doesn't scale to impact others' relationships, but a positive culture where people care about each other, where they exhibit kindness intentionally, that does scale beyond those ind- individual relationships. But you don't get to that culture without the individual relationships. We are all in systems of varying sizes. And I know I don't have the capacity, the time to have those authentic interactions with every individual entity that I serve with. Nobody does. But we need to know that the relationships and the interactions that we have at that individual level, they all become part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And that culture itself, that is what scales. So that my kindness between you and I, might not literally impact someone else. Sam was really kind to Kelly. That's going to make a difference for me. But the fact that we engaged in that kind, 
happens and it becomes part of how we do business and part of the norm that makes it more likely that someone else is going to proactively, consistently engage in that kindness. So again, yeah, super loaded question on so many different things. But what I would like to see is individual kindness implemented to the point that it scales to our school community as a nation at scale nationwide. You know, though, again, that's where the hope is, right? And I think to that point, I would love to hear your advice to educators right now. What do you have to say to us who are working in this really wonky world of education? It is, I mean, Sam, I think about the kindness and we as a school are doing so much to instill better communication between our students, better relationships through various processes And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I think every time we see it work or that glimmer of empathy that we've been able to craft within ourselves or within our students is such a glimmer of what could be done. From your standpoint, what advice do you have to educators to help them feel this renewed sense of hope, especially in the state of education as it is today? That is a tough one. And I I know where I want to go with, but there's the acknowledgement first it has never been more difficult to be an educator. You know, I am, I'm at that age now where I can say, you know, in my entire career, and it's actually a meaningful portion of time, I could have said that six years in, it's like, oh, what, what have I really experienced? I just barely know what I'm doing, but I've never seen it be more difficult since I've been a professional educator. There are people with more years and more experience than me that are the same way. We can look for parallels and challenges in different eras in American history. And I I still don't think anything compares. This this is unprecedented. So knowing that it has never been more difficult to be in education than it is right now, I know that one thing that makes any situation better is kindness. Mm -hmm. I mean, as lousy as your situation might be, and I do not have the answers on the right thing to do in a pandemic or post-pandemic, I do not have the right answers on school funding. I don't have the right answers on teacher compensation, the staffing shortage, how we are headed towards a cliff when it comes to people enrolling in teaching programs. I I know there's things we can do, and I know there's things that need to happen at a legislative and policy level, and and I will fight for those. But I do know that the situation we're in right now, um, whatever it is, it's worse when we're mean to each other. It's not that great when we're passive, neutral, benign. Mm -hmm. It's better when we've got each other's back. I know it's better when we intentionally watch out for each other. I know it's better when we intentionally engage each other in something positive that will be part of that high tide that lifts us all up. So my advice would be, even when it's bad, do one thing, you know, that will make it better. And that's how we treat each other. So, so good. And I love just the little tidbits within that. It just, it, it could be so easy. It doesn't have to be so complex to at least feel a renewed sense of hope. So Sam, I am curious to know, where can people find you? And is there anything else that is just on your heart and mind that you feel the listeners need to hear and be thinking about right now? Easy to find me. Just go to missionmonday.com. There's all our different social media platforms there. Any one of them on a weekly basis, you can get what the mission is for that week on all the different podcast platforms. And again, they are 100% free. I just want people to have access to them so that they have those tools. What is on my heart and mind? I think something that's really important is this is still an amazing profession. And it's still unlike any other profession out there. Acknowledging that it's never been more difficult 
we've also never gotten more on our investment than we can right now. It's never been more important. Our impact has never been more profound because of how difficult it is, right? I wish it was not so difficult, but if it helps people sleep at night or if it helps people continuing to believe, what you need to know is when things are more difficult, it just makes the importance of our work and the impact all the more profound. Thank you so much. And you're giving me a renewed sense of hope. Granted, I come in, <laughs> you know, I left the classroom for many years, found my way back into a school, and there's only been one day, one day in the last two years since I found my way back into a school that I was like, oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. That was a weird place. And so part of it was just taking that breather. But I feel just being in your presence, this spirit of, of kindness, really just wanting to like, leave myself and pro provide it to everyone because I feel like so much of like my, the world in which I live and why I love coming to school and work every day and love this profession again is because I am surrounded by the coolest, raddest, in the words of Sam, people who provide that that spirit of kindness for me. And and it does, like I, I never want to leave. I love education as hard as it is because I personally am surrounded by the coolest kids, the neatest, most wonderful families and the best colleagues in the world. And now I get to meet uh, you. <laughs> and, and on top of that too, just thank you for the work that you're doing, giving other positive voices that can have an impact on people's investment in the profession, for people's desire to stay in the profession, to keep fighting the good fight. I appreciate how you are giving voice to so many people. And I know if you're hearing this, you're already listening to the renewed podcast, but keep listening to it if you happen to be listening to it, because this isn't about just me in this episode. There's a lot of great work Kelly's doing to uplift us all. So thank you. Keep the work up. Oh, Sam, you're, you're so kind, <laughs> literally. That's the plan. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being on today's episode. I can't wait to share this with everyone. And again, just thank you for sharing and making this world a better place. It is clear that you are. Right on. I appreciate it so much. Let me start off by saying thank you so much, Jed Hafer, for putting Sam and I in contact. I cannot be happier. And Sam, thank you for imparting such extraordinary wisdom and action in this world and letting this be shared on this platform. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, let's take the random out of random acts of kindness. Number two, kindness is really rad and one of the most powerful tools we can use to change things. Number three, when you are in doubt or when a colleague is in doubt, remember to come back to the power of a student you engage with through your kindness. Number four, how are you intentionally engaging with students? You can walk by and wave or you can intentionally engage. Number five, keep in mind the power of the secondhand compliment. It goes further than you know. Number six, change happens one person at a time. To infuse kindness into your work, start with you, then find a partner a co-conspirator who is just as committed to kindness as you are. Number seven, relationships will not scale, but culture will. Number eight, one thing that makes all the challenges we have faced in education better is kindness. And number nine, as educators, especially teachers, our impact has never been more profound or important than it is today. Thanks for listening to today's show. And don't forget to sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed to be a part of a community that is working collectively to support educators and make education better. Talk to you next week.